Welcome to Nobody Told Me. I'm Laura Owens. And I'm Jan Black. And we are so excited to welcome New York Times bestselling author Christy Tate to this episode. Christy is the author of the new book, Group, How One Therapist and a Circle of Strangers Saved My Life. The book is described as the memoir of a guarded, overachieving, self-lacerating young lawyer who reluctantly agrees to get psychologically and emotionally naked in a room of six complete strangers, her psychotherapy group, and in turn finds human connection and herself. Christy, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Tell us how this book came about. Sure. So I'd been in therapy for many years and um, I still go actually. And I had started to try writing and I found that I really loved it. And I tried my hand at a couple of novels that were really, really not good. And, and after I talked about one of them in my group, somebody said something that just triggered me to, they said, why don't you just tell the true story instead of writing these characters that are lonely lawyers that have these relationships with their therapists, it became clear that the real story was trying to come out in my writing and I was resisting, like I didn't think I was important enough of a person to write a memoir. And then I finally just decided, well, let's just see what the true story is and let me see if I can do it. And then it kind of went from there. You yourself were very successful. So most people wouldn't have thought that you were struggling to the extent that you were, like is the case with so many people who have some form of depression or anxiety. But you said that something about the way I was living made me want to stop living. What was it about the way that you were living that had led you to that very low point? Yeah, I was extremely high functioning and On paper, it looked like I was a very successful individual, but what I knew in my heart was I was using achievement and recognition for my law school success. I was using all of that to create a sense of identity. And what I also knew about it was that it it wasn't enough. And I had picked law and I picked achievement as a sort of compensation prize because I didn't believe I would ever have relationships friendships, romance. I just didn't think I could do it. So I had to pick a baller career and try to just like get all my needs met there. And I knew that wasn't going to be a long lasting process. And that wasn't going to sustain me through my life. I wanted more. And it was hard to admit because I didn't know how to get more. So what initially led you to take that first step and join a group? Well, I had... I had gotten the news that I had done really well my first year of law school. My goal was to hit the top 25% and I ended up in the top slot and I was immediately consumed with suicidal ideation and it scared me. Not only was there this huge disparity between my psychological health and my professional future, they were going in opposite directions really quickly. I was really afraid by that. And I had reached out to a friend and she, she had, you know, like when you meet a friend who's gone through a change and there's like a spark in their eye Mm -hmm. and you see something in them, a light has gone on. And I saw that in her and she attributed it to her therapist who put her in a group. And she said also some magical things, including it's cheap. (laughs) (laughs) you know I was a law student I wasn't some you know high-rolled lawyer yet I still had two more years and so she told me and I thought 
she was like a living example. She didn't even proselytize. I saw it in her and I asked her and then I, I became willing to call her therapist and just follow the green lights toward the next thing I know I'm sitting in a group. <laughs> and one of the first things that your doctor, Dr. Rosen said to you, he was the group leader, was that after you start group therapy, you'll feel lonelier than you have in your entire life. I would wonder how that would make you continue to want to go because yeah. if I went, I would be like, oh, this isn't very appealing. And I have to tell my story to strangers. Yeah. You know, I look back on that and I think, what in the world message of hope is that? But what I, what I could hear in that was like, he was telling me the truth because in addition to telling me, I was going to have to feel everything that all my achievement and all my isolation and all my weird stuff with food had papered over feelings that were going to have to come out. And I, I respected him for telling me the truth, for being clear, there's no quick fix here. You're going to have to feel real bad before you feel much better. And there was something about his, uh, the audacity of the truth that made me trust him and think, okay, he thinks I can do this. He's done this for other people. I can, I, it made me want to try. It was almost like a challenge. And, and the, at the base of that, I also heard the hope of if you keep coming back and you do this, you can fill your life full of relationships. And that's what I wanted. I was ready to go through whatever it took. Tell us more about what goes on in group therapy, because I know we've all seen it on television shows and in movies. And if we haven't been in it, that's kind of what our perception of it is. So, you know, what is it? Walk us through that first session. What's it like? Or do they all differ? I was just going to say, like, because the groups that I have been blessed to be in have been longstanding, but like I went this morning and we've all been there together. I started that group in 2005 and most of the people there were there before me. So there's this long, stable um, web of relationships. And, and what that means is, and everybody there is striving and psychologically aware and also healthy and functioning and they still want to do this work, but they have big complex lives. So you can go in there thinking, okay, I'm going to bring up parenting and this pandemic and four other things, but you have to share the space and there's no way to predict what six other people are going to bring up. And what I, the way that I, what I love about it that I've never seen depicted in culture is some of the deep work that we do is on our relationships with each other. I've had arguments. I've screamed in someone's face because they've triggered me and I've triggered them. And the safety of the group means we can go way into those sort of feral feelings that in polite society, you just keep them buttoned up. I mean, you do, you can't run a business screaming at people, but I can go to group and say, I feel angry. I'm gonna show you. And the other person can say, well, I'm angry too. And we can go to these, the edge. You can go to the edge because there's people holding us. So it gets really crazy. And sometimes it's also super boring. You would never want to watch a show about some of our sessions because <laughs> it can be really mundane. One of the best things that I think 
you talked about in the book was the trust that you gain in other people. And I'm wondering how you develop that so quickly with a group of strangers. I know this maybe isn't actually a fear that other people have, or this isn't a reality with group therapy, but my thought would be, how do I know they're not going to leave and do some digging on me and look me up and tell their friends, oh, there's this crazy girl from group therapy. Right. You know, that's a really great question. And I think for me, I needed the connection so desperately by the time I landed in group, I almost didn't care about that. Like, I almost thought, what are they going to tell someone? Like, there's this weird girl in my group who eats this, these, an insane amount of apples every night because she's lonely and wants friends and a boyfriend. Like, I, it was sort of ego puncturing to be like, I'm going to do the work here and just see what happens. And I would say that the trust really built over time. When I first got there, I was very tentative and I didn't even know the extent to which I myself was guarded. I didn't know, like I thought I was telling the truth in session number one, but it turns out there were a lot of things that I said that I thought were true, which were really just a script. Like they, someone asked me about my sex life in the very first session and I just rattled off an answer that felt true, but really there was, it was a much more complicated answer. And I had four or five different choices I didn't consider. One of which was, I'm not answering questions about my sex life in session number one in the first five minutes. Uh (laughs) That didn't occur to me, you know? So (laughs) it's a good illustration. Like, oh, what happens over time is everybody keeps showing up. Everybody does their work and you watch people do hard things in a session and you see their lives get better and you imagine that's what's happening in your own life and you start to see the progress in them and yourself and it it sort of feeds on itself. Trust begets more trust. What if the group doesn't exactly jive with your feelings? What if you don't feel comfortable with the other people in the group? And does that happen often? Or Yeah, because you've been with several groups. Do you find that you're more comfortable sharing things with one more than another? Yeah. Yeah, that comes up a lot. And that's something that absolutely has to be worked through. I can speak for myself, obviously. I've been in situations where I felt like somebody was not, they just felt like not safe. And I couldn't even put my finger on it, but I just felt like she's going to backstab me or she's laughing at me. Um, I tend to have more trouble in group with the women in the group than the men. Um, which says more about me than anyone in the group. <laughs> I can actually see that. I, I, I think, I, think I might be the yeah. same way. But. <laughs> yeah. And so what, what mean I've girls. learned, <laughs> right, right. Like we've all been, I've, I've been the mean girl and I've been the victim. So um, I feel like what's happened in those situations is I've had to, I've had to do my discomfort, bring it to the group, speak to it. And sometimes it's the case. There was a woman who came um, a couple of years ago and I was just like, uh-uh. Mm-mm-mm-mm. she takes up too much space. I'm not feeling her energy at all. And I, I had to bring that to, the, I, I sat on it for a few weeks and then I brought it to the group and to that person, which is a hard thing to do. I was basically saying, I don't like you. I wish you weren't here. Uh-huh. <laughs> which is terrible. <laughs> um, and I'm Southern. I want to be nice. But <laughs> the only way to get through to the other side was to, to work the issue and sometimes in, the, in that situation, I was able to find out what, what was going on with me that I was putting on her or who did I see in her that I didn't like, or I was afraid of her. She had power. She was going to change my life 
in the way that any group member does. And I was scared to go forward with her. So the, all of those are opportunities, but they're, they're uncomfortable. Like that's something about therapy that that's the sticking part, right? It's uncomfortable to change and get better. It's like, if you've broken a, you've broken a bone and you want to learn how to walk on it again, some discomfort there to learn the new gate that will keep you walking for the rest of your life. So what happened in that case after you brought up your concerns? Yeah. She, you know what? She was like, I knew you didn't like me. I knew it. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, like I'm not so, I'm not so sweetly Southern as I thought. And we, we sort of like, it was tense. It was tense for a couple of months. And what happened, this miraculous thing happened. A, a third group member ended up getting sick. And um, this woman that I thought I didn't like, she was too loud and too, too perfect. She, I saw this side of her when she was administering to our sick group mate. It was so tender. I felt so much respect for her that I, like some of my bad feelings washed away when I could see what a compassionate, generous person she was in a way that I couldn't be. Like I felt scared when our group member got sick. I felt scared. I wanted to run and hide. And I saw the the group member I had the conflict with step up and say, I'm right here. I'm going to be here. And I had, it just changed the energy inside of me around her. I got to see enough to know I want her in my life. I want to stop resisting what she's bringing. So when you decided that, then did you go to her and have another conversation or was this just something you thought to yourself and you gradually became nicer to her, more outgoing with her? (laughs) Well, it's good that she doesn't, her side of the story may be very different than this, but um, she sometimes says to me, you're so mean to me when I came in, you were so mean. Um, But my experience is the thing about group is it's very, everything is very explicit and you work on it. You don't just have one conversation about something and then you toot along down the road. It's like, we talked about it a lot and we revisited even now in our relationship, that, that conflict was like three years ago. And now we're really tight. Like we're one of the like tight, tighter dyads inside the group. And we, we had to talk, we didn't, we, we didn't do we didn't do the hard work of our relationship outside of group. We did it inside of group with witnesses and we sort of worked it out. And sometimes if there's any, if there's like a bump in, in the conversation between us and she thinks I'm dissing her or there's something between us, we make it explicit right away because none of us want, neither of us want that to build up. Are you friends like outside of that situation? Yeah, my understanding is that Maybe the traditional model of group therapy is that all the work is done in the session. So there's sometimes you sign a contract with your therapist and group mates that you won't have any contact outside of group. Well, what we do with Dr. Rosen, and that's not his real name. I changed everybody's everything. So (laughs) Dr. Rosen, and I have permission to have written this book with the stories in there. But the way that Dr. Rosen has approached it is he's encouraged us to have relationships outside of group. Some of my dearest, they're some of my dearest friends, uh, people who I've been in group with, am in group with. They just know me in a way, they know me inside out. And there's an intimacy and a bond there that I'm really grateful that I can reach out to them between sessions. I can call them at seven in the morning or, you know, in the afternoon, like help, I'm freaking out. What do I do? Where I don't have to wait the three days till the next session because that can be excruciating. 
everything. And we're like there for each other. And we are, it, it, that creates its own complexities though, right? Because sometimes things happen outside of group and not all the group members know about it. And we have to go into group with this energy that only a few of us know about because we got together for coffee and something happened. And we have to bring the group up to speed. So there's a lot of, you know, like sometimes in marriage, it can be so annoying if it communicates so much. <laughs> I feel in my marriage. Um, that's kind of how group is. It's like everything slow down. What happened? Who was there? What was said? What did you feel? What did the other person feel? Like there's this like real sense of like, let's slow down. Let's take a breath. Let's tease it out. And that's something that that doesn't happen in my fast paced life outside of group. Everything moves so fast and everything's a bullet point and a hack and a quick fix. Group is like, it's like a record played on a too slow speed. You talk about how you lived such a scheduled life and you had a difficult time with change, which must have been only complicated by the pandemic and all the changes we've all faced. I would imagine even with your group, at least to start in the pandemic, you must have been meeting online and that must have changed things quite a bit. We're Did you still, find that more or less helpful since you weren't in person? Yeah, we have been online since March 13th here in Chicago and we're still online and we're not likely. We toyed this summer with the notion of could we get together somewhere outside six feet apart with masks on and it just got too complex with privacy issues and transportation and whatever and so I the way that I think about it is I'm really glad I still have you know that time in my life is blocked off and I zoom in and I see their faces on the screen which I'm really grateful for but there is something lost by not being in person. There's no eye contact. If I if I cry, if I go somewhere deep, like all of us are well, I'll speak for myself. I'm struggling with depression and anxiety and fear and are my kids okay? It's just like anyone, I'm really overwhelmed on every level. And when I bring that to group, I get into my feelings as I should. And there's no one in the room with me who can pat my back or pass me the tissues or I can share the space with them in that intimate way. So it's a little bit, I find it a little bit harder to go as deep, not to mention the fact that now my family members can hear me. <laughs> yeah. Like they're not oh, yeah. That's a huge. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I hadn't wow. even thought about yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, really, that's a real, on Friday I got, I was mad about something. I just more frustrated. And I like, I raised my voice for a couple minutes, a couple, you know, phrases out of my mouth. I was, and I was like, come on guys, come on. Cause I wanted everyone to see things my way, what we're talking about. And when I got out of the session, my daughter was like, I heard you. <laughs> I was like, that's tricky. This is tricky. Do you think that now is a good time for somebody who's thought about doing group therapy to maybe give it a shot? Since in a lot of ways, I would imagine for newer people, it might be less intimidating to not see people in person. And maybe they would be more willing to go a little more in depth than they would in person. And they were just starting therapy. Absolutely. I can totally think of how I felt way back in 2001 when I was starting this sort of mediated experience and you're still getting a dose. It's just not as high of a dose. And I think if someone has reserved, if maybe someone, maybe when someone hears, oh, someone might get in your face and scream in your face, that may not appeal to everyone. And so that can't happen on a Zoom and so I think now is a good time because it's a it's like a lighter version and slightly less 
intense, which might be great for someone who's suffering and needs help, but they may not be ready for the full Mac deal. Yeah. And they might have to also have the concern that you just mentioned about having other people in the household hear what they're saying. Yeah. I mean, it's been, it was during the winter, we, there was nowhere to go because we had extra family members who were hunkering down here. I would put, this was Chicago. So it was snowing in April. I would put on my coat. I would pull the car up as close to the house so I could get the Wi-Fi. And I'm doing therapy from the backseat of our minivan, you know, watching the neighbors. Oh, yikes. <laughs> <laughs> like, you got to do what you got to do. So I really feel for people, like, especially if like, there's not always a private place to go. That's not a, that's not an option. But I'm also thinking about people who maybe have the opposite problem and maybe they're feeling super lonely. They, they don't right. have kids. They don't have a husband. They don't and really have themselves. friends that they can see. What advice would you have for those people who are feeling extra lonely right now and just feel that sense of panic? Oh my God. I feel for them every single day. The minute there was a lockdown order, I thought about who I was when I was lonely all those years ago. And if it, if, if the city had gone on lockdown and I couldn't go, I wasn't like I was going to all these great places, but if I couldn't go to any of them, the loneliness I think would have really taken me down. And what I would say to that, to myself, if I were in that situation, like to reach out, like even if if group doesn't sound like your cup of tea, I know there's a lot of ways there's telehealth, there's talk therapy, just any amount. I, I, I really do recommend group because there's people there and there's, if you're lonely for me, I think of lonely as lack of relationship, right. Or lack of attachment and a group in a group session in one 90 minute session, I get to work on six relationships at one time, including myself. And so that really fills my life. And if you're in a situation where you're all alone, if you sign up for something where six people are going to be up in your business for an hour or whatever, a week, that's at least going to shift your relationship to loneliness. And that's a really, really key thing. You know, I have a question that's kind of a twofold question. Number one, would you have been friends with the people in your groups over the years had they not come into your life in this way? And number two, has engaging with them in this kind of an intimate way made you a lot more compassionate toward other people, toward other strangers, toward people you don't know and you might have otherwise passed judgment on in a different way? That is a tremendous question. No one has asked me either of those. That's such a great question. If she was asking that, I was thinking that too. <laughs> yeah, I'm Good like, job, wow. <laughs> Thank you. My day is made. <laughs> yeah. um, wow. Okay. I I don't think I would have been friends. I don't know how I would cross paths with these people in my world, even now, like, I have such a, you know, I, I see the people at my kids' school when I do drop-off. I see my coworkers. I come home. I try to be a wife. I write my write my writing stuff. Like, I don't know how I would be friends with this vast array of people. I think the answer is no. Um, not that I wouldn't have been open to them, but I wouldn't have had access to them. And I wouldn't have had the continued exposure to them that would have created a relationship. And absolutely, to your second point, because now I know people who are from different, wildly different backgrounds and different races and religions and who've had a set, sets of life experiences 
experiences that I I would have never even imagined. Only in a novel could I have have known people with, with stories like this. That's what that's what somebody offers you in therapy, right? They offer you their story if you're in group with them. And to know them, I have such a deeper understanding of complex things that I'd only ever read about in books like immigration or what it feels like to be a target of racist discrimination. I mean, I'm a I'm a white lady who's cis and middle class and always has been. And so for me to really have that empathy, the group mates have opened the portal to me to understand up close what some of these traumatic or exotic or really just different experiences, what that does to a person and a body and a personality. And it's absolutely made me more empathetic. I definitely know now when I see someone or I encounter them, I have no idea what their story is. They definitely have a story. And I respect what I don't know in someone else, even if I feel like I don't know where they're coming from and I'm miffed or I want to get into it with them. I respect the story inside of them that I know is there. Do you think that if people were more honest about their stories on social media and not portraying a perfect life, maybe if they were portraying who they show that they are in group, that we would have a better and more empathetic society, which would be amazing? Or do you think that people who are maybe ignorant would just pass on judgments that could make the situation worse for the person who's struggling? Ooh, ah, that's another good one. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. At first, I was going to say more truthful disclosure is good for the world. And I really do believe that. I really, the less curated, the less glossy that we all are, the more we're all living more honestly and showing each other what 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 it lives, what it's like to be in my body and be me. Um, and at the same time, there's such a deep, pervasive culture of shame right now that seems to be so rampant that it really, I can imagine that. A, it doesn't feel safe. And if you're an influencer, I mean, I know there's these people on the internet who, who, who make their living being beautiful and having beautiful houses and faces and hair. um, And that's their livelihood. So I think that there's, it's such a complex question. And I don't, I don't know enough about social media to even, (laughs) to even like say anything super smart about it. But what I do know is in relationship with other people, the one-on-one, or even in small intimate gatherings, to tell people the truth, it always builds a bridge. I just, it always builds a bridge. Yeah. And it seems like once you tell the truth about your struggles, everybody else really has those. And then they feel comfortable sharing them with you. And it makes life easier. It, It makes connections deeper. Right. Like one example I just had this week, there's another author that I reached out to and her book is Going Gangbusters. Um, It was picked by a celebrity and she's having this wild, wildly successful ride. And I reached out to her just to say congratulations. And, you know, I've some of our story is parallel. You know, I have had the, the great fortune and blessing of having Reese Witherspoon Um, speak highly of group and pick it for her book club. And when I reached out to this other author, she said to me, I hope you're enjoying it. I, um, I'm, she didn't say she was struggling. She said, it's not really in my nature to savor things. I'm always worried about what's next. 
And I have to tell you, her saying that, I had a whole story in my head about how wonderful her whole life was. She was popping champagne every night. <laughs> I, I was so sure. That, and for her to, to offer me that gift of that one clause made me feel like, oh my God, me too. I'm scared I'm letting Reese down. I'm scared of, you know, people are going to have their own reaction to the book. Not everybody loves everything I said or any of it. And I was like, I, I sometimes get twisted in my own wires around that. And just to hear, and then I beat myself up because I should yeah. be pure joy a hundred percent of the time. And she released me from that by telling me her experience. It was so generous. It was such a wonderful moment. Christy, what's your goal for the book? I guess what I want, this is my goal for the book. I want people to know, even if they don't read the book or they don't ever go to group therapy, I want them to know that in the mental health toolbox, there is a tool called group that is out there. It has worked for it for one woman, Christy Tate. It's worked for her. It addressed her issues. It continues to support her. I think the more we talk about mental health and mental wellness, and the more we talk about the tools that work, individual therapy is great. It's awesome. 12-step programs, drugs, whatever works. There's also this thing called group. And so if that could just give somebody hope in just knowing there's more tools in the toolbox than before my book came out, then I will feel like that's a goal reached. At the end of each show, we ask our guests, what is your nobody told me lesson? So what is it that you wish somebody had told you about happiness or shame, life, group therapy, wherever you want to take it, that you wish that they had? Because it would have saved you from some of those very tough times you experienced earlier on pre-2001. Yeah. Nobody told me that shame was so pernicious and so sticky that it was going to require me to do a lot of deep work with a lot of loving witnesses to untangle myself from all the lies that shame had told me all my life. I didn't even know I had shame. I I did not even know that. Now it seems crazy because I was like shot through with shame. I didn't know I had it. And once I knew I had it, I didn't know that there was a way through it. And now I know both. And really that we all have shame. Right, right. Everybody right. does. We're human. Thank you, Brené yeah. Brown, for making that normal. <laughs> yeah, it's all hail. <laughs> Christy, how can people connect with you on social media and the internet? Sure. I have a website. It's christytate.com. Um, there's a way to reach out to me there. And then also I'm on Instagram at Christy O. Tate. And I love connecting with readers. Happy to happy to have continue the conversation if anybody's interested. We so appreciate you coming on the show and having such a positive attitude and and making it seem more normal for people to seek out right. resources like group because I think in my case I really wasn't familiar with it, even though I've experienced depression and anxiety and fear, all those things that you said. I never really once thought about doing group therapy, but it seems like a great option. So thank you for spreading the word about it. Thank you. Thank you for all that you do for your listeners. And I hope we cross paths again. This has been fun. Oh, definitely. We would love to have you back on. Our sincere thanks to Christy Tate, whose best-selling book is called Group, How One Therapist and a Circle of Strangers 
saved my life. And again, her website is christytate.com. I'm Jan Black. And I'm Laura Owens. You're listening to Nobody Told Me. Thank you so much for joining us. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.